Take your Bibles today and turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 116. We've been looking at over the past several months about about God's love and that both His love for us and what we can do to Him, do for Him and to show our love for Him. And so we're going to be spending the next few weeks in the Psalms, one of my favorite places to go. And so the Lord led us today to Psalms 116, starting with verse 12. It says this, how can I repay the Lord? That's a great place to start. That's a great question to ask. How can I repay the Lord for all the goodness He's done for me? Here's what it says. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. So I want to stop for just a moment and and, and think about that. Are you thankful thankful that God has saved you? Are you thankful that Jesus Christ paid the price for you? Are you really thankful for that? Have you spent much time every day thinking about what the Lord Jesus did this morning and in Sunday school, we kind of talked about Jesus on the cross. And all the things that they did to him, he didn't deserve. Nothing that he went through in that, that time period did he deserve. He was falsely accused, falsely charged. They even let go a, a, a murderer instead of letting Jesus go. Then they... I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen The Passion of the Christ, but Sheila and I watched that movie when it first came out. In, in about 20 minutes down the road, one of us said, what do you think about it? And, and I, couldn't even, I couldn't even put words to that. When you think about all that Jesus went through in that, in that moment for us, it's amazing. And yet on the cross... He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Wow. Our salvation cost Jesus everything. Everything. We need to lift up that cup of salvation. Why? Why am I making such a big deal of this? Because in a minute I'll talk to you about calling on the name of the Lord. But people need to know that that's an unbelievable event in our life. Something that absolutely changed our life. It's something we couldn't do for ourselves. It's something that was impossible for us to, to, to make happen. There was no way we could ever, ever, ever be good enough to get to God. There was no way that we could not sin and get to God. It was something only God could do. The Bible says that God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. Realize that God has done everything to have a relationship with you. Every day we need to think about that and dwell on that, that all the stuff that's going on in our lives and all the sometimes bad stuff, sometimes good stuff, everything that goes on, that ought to be at the top of the list. That God has saved me. I lift up the cup of my salvation. When you do that, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And it says that those praises, lifting up that cup of salvation and saying, Thank you, God, I I praise you for what you've done. Thank you, God, for all that you've done in my life. The Bible says that's a sweet incense under his nostrils. I would liken that to one of your kids coming to you 
and it, I still got some of those little pictures that, that Renee drawed for me when I was a, when she was little. Say, hey, Daddy, I drove to draw this for you. Man, what a great feeling that is. What a great thing to lift up to God. That cup of salvation. What a great thing to share with everybody around you. God has saved me. It says this, that thou call on the name of the Lord. It's, it's an interesting phrase in this, in this passage of Scripture. In the Hebrew, the, the word literally means that, that you're a frail. It's like, a, it's like a child calling out to mama. You ever seen a child in the, in the grocery store and gets separated from mama? They don't know where mama's at and you're scared to death. You want mama to save you because you're lost. This word that's used here, the, the, the phrase that's used here means something that is frail and something that cannot possibly save itself or help itself is calling out to God. Wow. It's not just prayer. It's not just talking to God. It's in your heart and soul, having that hunger and that thirst for God, realizing that God does things that we can't possibly imagine. We've seen so many of those miracles happen even this week in this church. It is unbelievable what God is doing and can do. Acts 2.21 says, All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. You realize that the answer for our world, I mean, we, all of us turn on the TV and see all of the things going on in the United States. It just seems getting worse and worse and so on and so forth. And yet God is still the same God he's always been. I will promise you that if this nation turns back to God, he will hear. And it's our responsibility. It starts with us. It starts with Stonewall County. It starts with, with Texas. It starts with us turning back to the Lord, calling on the name of the Lord, crying out to God as if He was our Father and we're lost. We need help. And we do. There's nothing that we can go through all this Christian life without God. We can, we can try, oh, we can list, pull out that big list of, of things about, about love and how we need to love one another. And I will promise you, you can try to go down that list and make yourself do it, and you will fail. Been there, done that. The only way is to realize how frail you are before God and say, God, I need your help. I need you to fill me with your love. I need you to teach me from who you are. Then it says this back in the Psalms. I will, call, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Desperately, our world needs to see what a Christian looks like. Desperately. Desperately. I'm convinced that if we would fulfill our vows, and, and the, the vow that we made is, is Jesus, you're Lord of my life, and he said that if you love me, you, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll live like you that what you say you do. If you love me, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And that's not just inside, it's outside. It's got to come out of us. The world around us desperately needs to see what a Christian looks like. Desperately. I'm convinced of this. The more I talk with people and the more I visit with people, most of the time they come to a preacher as a last resort. Sometimes people come to you and, 
and, and you're sitting in that chair across from me, and they're telling you all their things, and I'm, I'm thinking, hey, there's no way. I don't even know where to start with this guy. Gotten off track. But I do know where to start. It starts with the Lord. It starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. To pay my vows in the presence of all the people. Jesus said it. You've seen me do great things. But greater things will you do. Because I go on your behalf to the Father. In the the 14th chapter of the book of John. he, He talks to us about how if we love him. That we'll keep his commandments. And he'll send us a counselor. And that counselor will teach us all things. It gives us a promise of the Holy Spirit that, that in, when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, there'll be peace. Peace. That passes all understanding. Wow. What a great privilege. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all the people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. We use that all the time in, in a funeral service, and I don't know why. It's just... It's kind of a strange thing. We pull that one verse out of, a, out of a passage of Scripture that's talking about how we need to repay the Lord for all He's done in our hearts and lives. Did you know that God has got every second of your life in His hand? Every second. It's precious to Him. We sing that little song that we are precious in his sight, but I'm not sure we believe that. I think sometimes, at least on my part, I think, "Ah, I'm not good enough. I think, why would would I be precious to God? I'm just a boy from Stonewall County, and why would I be precious to God? But the Word of God says that I am. The Word of God said that he loves me every cell of me. The Word of God tells me that, that He's concerned about what I'm clothed with. He's concerned about my food that I eat. He's concerned about every hair on my head. He says it's numbered. Wow. The world needs to know that. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He goes on to say, O oh Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant the son of your maidservant, have you freed me from my chains? I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. How long has it been since you offered up a thank offering to the Lord? You just spent... You know, at one time, a guy... I went to a, to a deal, and, and this guy said, I know y'all are a bunch of preachers, but you need to repent. I thought, who's this guy? And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your motel room tonight, and I want you to write down every sin in your life. Every, every sin. Wow. I thought, well, that's not going to take me long. Well, I took about three or four or five pages of that. I found myself out in the middle of a football field, face down on the ground, just asking the Lord for forgiveness. Asking the Lord to forgive me. I think the same thing, though, about a thank offering. Sometimes we get so 
blown away by what's going on in our life, so bowled over by all the stuff we got to do and all the stuff that's going wrong and all the things that are, that are happening in our lives, we forget all the good things. I think we ought to sit down sometime with a little piece of paper and start writing all the things we're thankful for, not just home and food and so on and so forth, but all the things that we thank God for that, that he's doing and has done in our life. All the things he's done in our families. All the things that he's, he's done with our world. I mean, I, I don't know if you've thought about it. I've seen this twice now in, in my lifetime. January of this year, Ukraine was a beautiful, wonderful place to live. Everybody was getting along. It's a mostly Christian nation. Everything was going well. They, they were feeding the world. I mean, they grow more wheat than most of all of the rest of Europe put together. They have all of these resources. Things were going just great and in a week's time. Now you look at Ukraine and all the buildings are bombed out and all the people that have died and so on and so forth. Every single corner of that place has been touched by this war. Many years ago, Bosnia was the same way. Beautiful, wonderful country. And in that quick, that changed. War came. War came. Why am I making a big deal of that? Because we need to lift up a thank offering to the Lord. He could have just as easily had us born in one of those places. He could have just as easily put us there. But instead, he's put us in the greatest country that's ever been. And it's great because he made it that way. We need to set down a thank offering before him, not just at Thanksgiving time, not just, but almost every day of our life, especially when it's going really rough. You need to sit down and give the Lord a thank offering for what's going on. Thank you, Lord. I was talking to, uh, to a guy yesterday at the, at the men's breakfast and he had gone to Ukraine. He said it was a, a unique place. They grow all this wheat. The, the, the land is, is so rich, they grow 70, 80, 90 bushels up to the acre on wheat, and they harvest all that by hand. And then they take all the straw, and they put it in a thresher because they make, make brick and stuff out of, the, out of the straw and so on and so forth. But all of that is done primarily by hand. I was like, wow. I'm, I'm even thankful for the equipment we got. Thankful for how God has used us and giving us stuff in this country that they have no place else in the world. I think about this. When was the last time even when you truly prayed over your meal and was truly thankful for it? We become so used to having food on the table. We go, yeah, over lips through the gums. Look out, Lord, here it comes. We pray, thank you, God, for this food. Okay, let's eat. We ought to stop and thank the Lord. I mean, truly Truly thank the Lord for the food that he's given us today. One of the things that, that, and I stole this from a preacher a long time ago, most of my best ideas, because I don't hardly have any good ones, comes from that. But when, when you go to a restaurant, you thought about being thankful over that and, and praying over your food. And before you do that, there, there's a little waitress usually or waiter that comes up and, and waits on you. And A long time ago, a preacher that I was with, he he stopped that waitress and said, hey, what's your name? She told us. 
he said, look, I'm, me and this guy are in the habit of praying before we eat. Is there anything we can pray for you about? And it totally stopped her in her tracks. And she thought about it a minute, and she was having a lot of family problems. And she, she just told us, hey, could you pray for my family? This is going on. And we prayed for her family. I'm telling you, it, it makes a difference in people's lives when we stop. Give them Jesus right there. So now I make that a, a habit most of the time when I go out. And I've had people tell me all kinds of things. I had one guy tell me, I'm a Muslim. I don't want none of that Christian praying over me. Wow, what a great opportunity. So we prayed for his salvation that day. And I don't believe that those prayers go unanswered. I really don't. So many times that we see people burdened like that and just take a moment and, and offer, up, offer up a prayer of thanksgiving to God and truly mean it. Truly mean it. Sometimes, by the way, the, the little waiter or waitress, they'll stand there and, and you can pray over them. Most times they go about their business and you, you pray and pray over your food. But they know that somebody has stopped for that moment and offered up a prayer for them. What a great opportunity. When's the last time, when's the last time you really called out in need to the Lord? Usually we wait around till, till we're hurt or one of our family members is having surgery or something bad is happening in our lives and so on and so forth. But every single day of our life, we are frail. We're in need of a God who loves us. We're in need in our own hearts, to cry out to God and say, God, today's a day. I can't do this on my own. I need you and you alone. How long has it been since that's been your heart and your soul? I believe with all my heart there's not a day that we go through that we don't need the Lord. He doesn't guide and direct us. You know, sometimes I, I'm a very time-oriented person. Much less now than I was. Peacock's teaching me how to be less all the time, and that's good. But I'm a time-oriented person. I used to. Sheila can attest to this. My watch was everything to me, and boy, I'd get in the car, and we were two minutes late. Two minutes late. Oh, my gosh. The world is coming to an end because we're two minutes late. But now I think about it. We're two minutes late. What did God just save me from? I mean, you're going down the road. I, I thought about it. Of course, I rode motorcycles for a lot of years. But you know, in a, in, a, in a one second time frame, you can live or die. I mean, you're going down the road with, in, a, in a perfectly good motorcycle, and, and you're going through the, you're, you've got a green light, and that guy comes and runs the red light. One second would have made a whole difference whether you lived or died. So God is, is, is guiding, I'm convinced of this, God is guiding and directing every single moment of our life and he's moving you in there. Now I still get kind of torched sometimes if we're late. You know, I'll be 10 minutes early from my own funeral. I'm okay with that. But every time I do, I think about, what did you just protect me from, Father? What did you just save me from? What opportunity are you going to give me? You know, that, that extra second or, or two, one, one time I can remember I was at the hospital and I was sitting on this on the deal and, and my, my watch was, was driving me crazy. I had to go visit this one and this one and this one and this one in the hospital. And so I'm thinking in my mind, okay, I can spend five minutes with this one. I can spend seven minutes over here and, 
you know, that my mind's just going wild. And I look over there and a the lady's crying. She's sitting 10 foot from me and she's crying. And for once, I listened to the Holy Spirit because he said, go over and talk with that lady. It changed my whole life in that moment because I got to meet that lady where she was at and pray with her about what was going on in her life. She had gotten some really, really terrible news. And in that few moments, God was in that place. And we worshiped him together for a few minutes. And I tried not to do that anymore, not to get on my little time schedule, but be on God's. How about you? Realize that God is moving in every single part of our life. As, as we read through this Psalms, there's some things. First of all, to be thankful for salvation. To lift that up. God, thank you so much. And to call out to Him as if we're in need. Not that we're in control of our whole lives, because we're not. We're not but to allow him to have control over everything we've got. And then in the presence of everybody, live what we believe. I am absolutely convinced, especially the other night with those, those kids. Man, that's a great group of kids that we've got over here. In the presence of those kids, they need, they need to know there's a, Jesus is real. It's not just something we do on Sunday mornings, but Jesus is real every day of our life. And we show them that by living God in front of them every single day of our lives. So this morning, I'm asking you to do this. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. Sheila's going to come up and play, and we do this every Sunday, and it's part of the time frame that we've got. But in the middle of this, I want you to stop and be thankful. Just stop for just a moment. All that's going on, and be thankful this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, you do so much for me. God, the older I get, the more I know that I am frail and weak and need you every moment. And so I lift up the cup of my salvation for you today, Father. And I thank you for, for the price that was paid for that. And I thank you that you've saved me. And I thank you that, God, you want a relationship with me so badly that, Father, you would pay any price for that. And so, Father, I'm thankful today. God, I pray that in the presence of these that are here, but in the presence of every person I come in contact with, I would lift you up and glorify you, you and honor you with my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that privilege today. As we corporately lift up thanksgiving to you, may it be a sweet incense under your nostrils. May it be precious to you, Father, when your children praise you and are thankful. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm supposed to ask you to stay with your heads bowed and eyes closed as she'll place through this hymn. Near to the heart of God this morning, are you there?
You let everything going on in your life crowd in. Forgot about who God was. This morning it's time to stop and be thankful in these few moments together. Thank you for being here this morning. Remember this afternoon, 3.15, if you guys want to ride with us, we'll be there at 4 for the business meeting. 5 o'clock is a meal. 6 o'clock is a worship service. First Baptist Church of Stanford. I hope you'll uh, take some time to be over there today. It's, it's, it's an important time that we're trying to get the association going. The association of churches doesn't have any reign over anybody. We just come together to worship and to, and to do mission work together. So, it's a good thing. Association is a really good thing. Any other word before we go this morning? Remember Bill? Remember Dean? Tommy Messick's going in for some stuff this week. Uh, Dana's waiting on results. Lisa, Lisa's. Sherry's got tests this week. That's right. Tommy and Sherry both have tests this week. John, uh, Jean Godfrey's still in the hospital to keep her in prayer. Who? John's got some tests going on this week. All those need to be on her heart and mind. Charles. Charles is going to go in and have a... I, I was convinced, by the way, I could cure Charles. If y'all got back problems, I'll be glad to walk on your back for you. See, that'll, that'll, you'll forget all about those back problems. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You'll know one thing. You don't ever want that to happen again. So there we go. Well, let's stand together. We'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Father, I thank you for who you are this morning as we leave this place. May we leave it with joy and thanksgiving, lifting you up, glorifying you, Father, and living it in front of people. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Good morning. Good morning. Is your car broke?